Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Welcome to the podcast series, Transformational Impact of Data on Your Business. And today we have the episode with the power of an analytics operating system. And we have a special guest for this, Ian McDonald. You're the principal technologist at Pyramid Analytics, and we spoke already many, many times. We did webinars together, and it's uh, glad to have you in, in the show again. Ian, maybe you can shortly introduce yourself. Hi, Ronald, and hi, everybody. My name's Ian McDonald, principal technologist at Pyramid Analytics. I've been working in the analytics and data analysis and reporting space for nearly 35 years now. Started my career at Information Builders in 1986, quite a long time ago, it seems to me now. But in other ways, that time has passed very quickly. I think it's uh, always challenging in terms of understanding organizations' analytic and data needs. And with the changing in terms of technologies and data volumes and velocity of change, it's been an interesting and varied career and one that I've enjoyed immensely. So I'm happy to be here and, and answer some questions from you, Ronald. That's great. And indeed, it's it's a challenging market and it's always nice to see what kind of challenges there are. But on the other hand, how fast technology is evolving to help the clients. I'm Ronald Van Loon. I will be the host today. I'm the CEO and founder of The Intelligent World, which is a data analytics consultancy and research network firm. I'm also a course advisor for a leading professional certification company called Simply Learn. And I'm the author for multiple coaching series for business leaders and C-level executives in how to succeed in the intelligent economy. And today, yeah, we're going to talk about analytics operating system and Ian I think everybody understands an operating system for a computer, but why is there an analytics operating system and can you explain a little bit what it is? In the way that an operating system on a computer manages the basic functions, the inputs and the outputs, the processing, the managing of the devices and the screens and your disks, etc., an analytic operating system is looking at providing that same type of infrastructure almost in a hidden way that allows business users, analysts, data scientists, the ability to access data and information, wherever it may be, and to apply progressively more sophisticated analytic capabilities to that data. But doing it in a way that hides the basic functions of actually getting at to the data to actually whether you need to move it or change it or transform it or apply various algorithms to it, to do that in a way which avoids the complexities of detailed coding type work, to do it in a visual approach, and to bring that type of capability within the range of ordinary business users. People have talked a lot about data science, data scientists, citizen data scientists, machine learning, et cetera, over the last few years. But in terms of applying that on a day-to-day -day basis, it still requires a fairly high degree of skill. What we're trying to do with Pyramid and, as we christened it, the analytics operating system, is to say to bring that within the range of ordinary business users and to provide an environment and an infrastructure that hides the complexities of the different data types, different data storage engines, and provide a consistent analytic framework across all of your data and across all of your users, and potentially at different levels of functionality pursuant to what that particular user wants to achieve. 
So in terms of you know, comparing it to an operating system on a computer, it, it provides that same kind of functionality. It's to hide the complexity, hide the difficulties, but provides the sophistication and capability for whatever that particular business users want to achieve. And then also to be able to provide a collaborative and sharing environment where that information and the results of your analysis can be easily distributed and action taken upon across the organization. So that's a kind of thumbnail sketch of, of what we mean by that. And, and I hope that answers that question. Oh, de definitely. And I totally agree that usability is really the key to, to democratizing your data and your analytics within the organization. You're already, as you mentioned, for a long time in, in the BI domain and the BI domain that includes all the aspects of the marketing intelligence, of the analytics, and it's, it helps to transform this unstructured data into meaningful information so organizations can really make the right decisions efficiently do the strategic planning based upon data. But why do you think that this market is so competitive? Why are all the different companies in this domain and, and based upon your talks with your clients, how does BI and especially maybe this analytics operating system provide value for organizations? Why is it so competitive? I guess it's because there's a perennial need for understanding. It was the same when I started my career in 1986. The challenges that organizations faced were pretty much the same as they are today in terms of I do business, I generate data, I need to understand that data, I need to apply that to my business decision making in order to guide my business in the right direction. What's changed over the last 30-odd years is that while the, the, the central challenge remains the same, the data volumes have increased dramatically. The amount of data I generate is huge today. How quickly I generate it as well, the velocity of that data movement, the velocity of change in terms of understanding that, all of that has increased you know, tenfold, a hundredfold, probably even a thousandfold over that time. So I think it's something which is always a challenge. It's something which all businesses need to understand their position, both past, present, and future. And therefore, you know, the technologies and techniques that I need to bring to bear against that have evolved through that time. And that rate of change with new data and obviously more recently, the more digitization of that with online services, et cetera, which naturally lend themselves to easy data capture and large volumes of that data as well. And I think at the end of the day, in terms of the competitive nature of that, um, it's an industry which has kept me interested and excited for 35 years. And I think from a software developer point of view, from a, uh, a coding point of view, someone who wants to build new and innovative software, it's a market segment which is hugely rewarding from that point of view. Basically, it's fun for vendors, I think, from that point of view. It, it's an interesting thing. It's always changing. Everybody's challenges, while similar, but are always subtle differences, which is always interesting to address. And obviously, then the value from that point of view, when we're looking at delivering analytic solutions for organizations, the value they get from that, as we've already talked about, is, is understanding where they are. It's be able to shed light on or bring light to areas of the business that previously were dark. And I think that's the key point there. One of our customers, uh, VW in Ireland, has said the same thing. It switched the light on in the organization in terms of being able to understand the situation and the data movements and what that means in terms of their business in a way that they were simply unable to do previously. 
So it's also a question, I think, then of automating it. A lot of businesses still run on the kind of Excel spreadsheet model. And what analytic tools do, analytic operating systems, business intelligence software, is to automate a lot of that manual data work. And that's one of the things they said there, which was to reduce the amount of time that analysts had to spend massaging and manipulating data, but actually able to have more time to analyze the actual data itself rather than simply manipulating and managing it and getting it in a format that they could actually look at it intelligently. And when I can automate the things that obviously computer systems are good at doing is that kind of organizational and repetitive type tasks. And certainly the modern analytic and BI tools provide a large number of techniques and arrays of capability in order to actually produce that and to allow business analysts and business users in general more time for the analysis and understanding of the information rather than the kind of manual manipulation of it. So I think coming back to the question, it's competitive because that challenge always exists and changes underlying data volumes and velocity of change is increasing all the time. And I have to bring new techniques to bear to that again and again. It's fun for vendors to actually create that type of software. It's been fun for me for 35 years. And from a value point of view, it's shedding light on those dark areas of the business that I need to understand. You were talking about BI helps you providing insights in what happened in the past, what's happening now and what's happening in the future. But if, if we look to the last months and, and probably as well to the coming months, coming six months, we see that business workflows need to adapt. They change frequently. We go into different work forces, work on, on distance, work at, back to the office again. And if we look to these organizations to run smoothly and to run more agile, how does BI support organizations to be more flexible in this situation? I think it's it's bringing ease of use. It's, a, it's an old hackneyed expression, but the new approach to analyzing data moves away from the kind of programmatic and algorithmic approach. While those are there, that they're, they're more hidden, and it's the the visual approach, I think, rather than that programmatic approach, which benefits business users, ordinary users in an organization, people who want to be able to understand their data, but don't really want to have other people do it for them. So being able to bring that to the business user rather than having it abstracted sort of back into the sort of IT group and having that visual rather than programmatic approach means that the capability of an ordinary business user and data worker can increase exponentially in terms of their analytic capability. And being able to do things for yourself, we see that has happened across you know, multiple aspects of the business. If you go back into the sort of 1950s and 60s and early 70s, no business on business manager did their own typing. They dictated and had someone with the typing skills type it up for you. I can't remember the last time I've seen anybody dictate a letter and have somebody else type it. Everybody does it for themselves now. And we see the same thing happening across other types of technologies. And obviously, analytics is one of those things. In the past, I would ask for a report on my data. I'd ask for an analysis of my data, and somebody else would do it. I would then have to wait, obviously. And that waiting period, while maybe acceptable 20 or 30 years ago, no longer is. I, I need the answer now. I need to be able to do it for myself now. And then I also need to be able to easily share that with my colleagues. 
I need to be able to reuse the content that I've created in multiple scenarios. And also in terms of understanding and bringing the qualitative nature on understanding to my quantitative data, I need to be able to annotate. I need to provide commentary, interpretation, and again, to be able to share that and perhaps engage in kind of real-time conversation around the output of the analytics that I've created. So bringing the qualitative assessment and interpretation to the quantitative data and outputs of my analysis is actually critical. I could put a chart in front of two different analysts and they'll give me slightly different interpretations of what that means. And so gaining that common understanding, I think, is just as important. It's it's not just about can I get the data and do the analytics? Can I then interpret the output? Can I share that interpretation? Can I discuss it? And can I then take action? And that, I think, is a critical part of improving those kind of work capabilities for businesses. Yeah, and people, indeed, what you mentioned in the past, they were used to and they were okay to, to wait for a while to get a report. What we see now is, I think, from all the people that work in the office, 97% of the enterprise employees, they work from home. And probably many organizations are going to support this work from home as well. So does this change this need for self-service BI? And you explained already how employees can use it, but maybe you can give an example for a specific role, how they can use BI as well. I think that kind of remote working, and and obviously we've all been doing that over the last few months, uh, that remote working, I think, is going to become more common. Um, Many businesses that previously insisted that their employees come into the office because that was the way it was done have now realized that perhaps that's been proven, in fact, that that could be done equally well by people working remotely in their own homes. Where this causes a slight issue from an analytic and business intelligence point of view is that most of the kind of current crop of popular analytic tools that are in the market today are primarily desktop based. And that is I have to install software onto my local workstation or laptop. And when I want to do my analysis, I have to effectively extract data from wherever it may be move it to my workstation or laptop, load it into some type of uh, proprietary and memory analytic engine, and then do the analysis that I want. And obviously any kind of sharing of that, I have to upload my model, my data, my results back somewhere for share and reuse across my business. And I think certainly when you're stuck at the end of a, a VPN with a relatively low bandwidth, and I don't have that gigabit network I have in my office, this starts to become a bit of a bottleneck. So I think we'll see some changes there in terms of how those type of analytic solutions are architected, which means that we take much more of a server-centric approach, take the load off local machines and provide, you know, obviously be able to do that across a relatively low bandwidth network. It also means if all of my analytic processing and and, uh, analysis is taking place server-side, it means that I could be more flexible in the devices I use to access that. I no longer need a multi-processor, multi-gigabyte RAM machine in order to do my analytics. I can do it through my iPad or, or Android tablet. 
and that gives you a huge advantage then in terms of the flexibility of the device I use, location that I am. I can do that across low bandwidth connections and still have the same fidelity of analytics and visualization that I had previously working on my big chunky workstation or laptop. So I think changing slightly the architectural approach of how my analytics works is going to help enormously in terms of supporting the flexibility in terms of remote working and uh, different devices as well as I can use to do that. In your career, you have helped many different enterprises to set up the analytics environment and you see different types of challenges that, that companies have when they set up their environment, whether it's a new analytics tool or trends or changes in nature and multiple new data sources, but what are the most common challenges that you see with your clients nowadays? And can you explain how you help them in these these situations? I don't think the major challenge, which I don't think has changed in all of this time, is change of work process, change of attitude, change or, or abandoning the old ways of doing things. If someone's used to working intensively with data in Excel, they tend to know Excel pretty well. They can see all of the data, so they can sort of visually see what they need to do to the data and where to put their calculations, etc. And trying to move people away from that can be very, very difficult. I think the major challenge for anybody embarking on any kind of analytic solution exercise and delivery and wants to get good engagement with their business users and have that solution be successful, the number one challenge is change of mindset and education. I don't think really it's got really anything to do with the technology. I think it's all about training. It's about education is about demonstrating the value that can be brought to bear against your data by replacing the old way of doing things with a new way of doing things. People, though, are are generally fairly resistant to change. And one of the things that has perplexed me a little bit through my years in the business is that organizations are quite happy to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars on software and new solutions for their analytic requirements but then bulk at having their business users allocate time for training or paying for training and paying for education and working and coaching those business users to adopt a new approach and strategy for handling their data. That challenge has been there since I started working in the business and it's still there today. And it's still a challenge that needs to be overcome. One of the things that that we do when we're engaging with a potential new customer and and hopefully successfully get their business is to make sure that we work closely with them in terms of transitioning from here's a bright, new, shiny analytic tool to how do I make this integral to my business and the business process through education, training, and examples to the business users of how it can help them in their roles. So we can talk a lot about technologies and different ways of doing things, but I think the primary challenge comes back to that. It's changing the old way of doing stuff to the new way and doing that through education and training and providing sufficient time and resource and dollars potentially in terms of that implementation cycle. And it's something I see time and time again that 
isn't really invested strongly enough by businesses in doing that. They seem to think buying a new analytic platform or tool will be sufficient to change it. And unfortunately, it isn't. It needs to be followed up with good education, good training, and mentoring of business users in terms of how to work with data more effectively. Where you see is training, you have different roles in every organization. They need different reports and need different KPIs. You have different level of analytics expertise. Some are very advanced analysts and some have no clue what to do or how to do an analysis. How, on one hand, in more depth, the tool and the BI software supported. And on the other hand, maybe how do you adapt this, this training part? As you said, it's already for, for, for 35 years as you're in the business challenge. You need to be able to introduce people to, to new ways of doing things gradually. People sometimes say, okay, everybody should have access to all the functionality and not have any restrictions placed upon that. My experience is that putting too sophisticated a set of tools in front of a business user can actually turn them off and lower the level of engagement they have with the platform, with the solution that you're trying to introduce. So you need to be able to provide a different level of functionality for different users and types of users as they engage with the analytic tools you're providing. So I need to be able to have a sort of a graduation of functionality and to ensure that I match the functionality of the tools I'm placing at the user's fingertips with their requirements in terms of what they need to do. Now, for some people, that might just be, I just want to get a PDF in my inbox every morning at 8.30, giving me my position at the close of business the previous day. And I actually don't want to do any kind of digging around in my data and exploring. So that's fine. If that's the requirement, then let's deliver that. Let's not confuse that business by giving them perhaps an interactive dashboard with drill down and slice and dice and filtering and stuff. They don't want that. They just want their core data, their core KPIs delivered to them every day. As people become more familiar working with data, then I can start to introduce new ideas and new ways of actually working with that data, providing simple visual data discovery tools, be able to create simple dashboards to gather those views together that I can use personally or share with my team. And then as my experience grows, I can start to introduce additional analytic capabilities. That might be some simple regression and forecasting capabilities. It might be more detailed analytic capabilities in terms of the kind of algorithms I want to provide to them. And then as we start to move up to the next level, it's starting to people building their own analytic models, be able to combine data from different sources, apply transformations on that data as I merge and blend it together and create sophisticated analyses and dashboards out of the back of that. But what's critical is that I have a, a platform and an environment that I can mold and change and adapt to the business user rather than mold and adapt and change the business user to the tools that are available. As we said earlier, getting people to change is difficult. And if I can do it in a gradual way that doesn't appear to be and seem to be hard work, then that's going to be much more successful. So having a platform and environment that is adaptive to the business user, I think is the way to go there. And that can adapt to the different roles in different departments, different levels of data management, understanding and analytic requirements as we go through the business. 
you were talking about some companies want to give access to all data, to all functionality, for all different, different kinds of, of roles. One aspect is, of course, the usability. The other aspect is the data governance. What type of role does BI play in this data governance domain? Can you elaborate on that? It's not just the data as well. It's the content. When I'm creating analytic content, it's great if I can do it for myself on my desktop, but it's much better if I can do it and store it in a central repository. When I do that, obviously, then I have governance and security around not just the data and the data access and what I can see from a data point of view, but also the kind of metadata and governance of the content itself. So what content is available, who can see that content, who can search for it, who's going to be returned results for that and who isn't. And then can I access that content and, of course, the underlying data that goes with that. So there's a number of things I need to think about in terms of governance and data. One of the ways that we approach that is to provide what we call kind of a metadata overlay. Sounds a bit technical, but all that really means is that I have my data in place. I can access that, and I generally have security on the database for access. But then I can apply additional layers of security and different views of that underlying data information, depending upon who the user is. So I can change the names of data fields to make it more comprehensible for different types of users. I can hide certain measures and certain attributes from certain users and groups of users. In fact, right down to the, the kind of row level so that only kind of UK managers get to see the UK data in my dashboard, for example. So being able to do that gives you a fine degree of granularity of control of the actual data access. But then also in terms of the content itself, I need a robust content management system. I need to be able to search for information and search for content, both in terms of the names, but also in terms of descriptive tags that can be attached to those items as they're created. That's always another challenge, of course, is to get people to properly describe and tag the content that they create, but that's always been an issue. On the data side, we're seeing an increase in interest in what we could call analytic lakes. So this is the idea that all of my data I want for analysis is going to be stored in one place, in one format. We see a rise of a number of cloud services do this, people like Snowflake, for example, or I can use something like Amazon Redshift as a cloud-based data repository where my curated data sets are available for analysis. So rather than go down the big long scale enterprise data warehouse route, rather there are collections of data sets that are managed and curated by the central data stewards and data governors, but which then are available for business users to analyze. But what's critical here is that on the analytic side, when I start to build analytic models, maybe blending these data sets together or with some external data, the output of that modeling exercise, the data is written back to the same central analytic leg. It doesn't sit in the silo on my desktop. So again, there's some architectural differences here and difference of approach, whereby having that central leg makes that governance and management and security that much easier. It also means that it's easier to share and reuse that data content and analytic content that I create. And it also means that it's not locked in a proprietary system on my desktop. If I was putting it into something like Snowflake, for example, as an online data warehouse solution, then any tool which can access data tables in that can access the analytic models that have been built. So 
that's again is a, is a way to look at managing the governance and security of my data, not just the raw data, but the analytic models that are created as a result of that. And you were talking in the beginning about automating as much as possible. We have machine learning, we have AI capabilities. Can you explain how machine learning and AI can help at which level it can help to automate your analytics within your analytics operating system? Over the sort of 35 years I've been in this business, this is probably the third wave of what used to be called data mining and the statistical analysis. What what you tend to see if you're a Gartner group have what they call this hype cycle of where you get this peak of expectation and then the trough of disillusionment, etc. And technologies often go in those types of cycles and as i say this is probably the third time in the, in those 35 years that people talking about machine learning and ai these are the modern terms for data mining that we saw in the late 1990s and you know more statistical analysis in the 1980s and the great promise of this was this would make uh, every business user uh, an expert in terms of being able to find hidden trends and patterns within their data what you learn very quickly when you go down this route is that it's probably 90% preparation 10% analytics in terms of getting the data in a format that you need it in terms of apply the appropriate algorithms to find the information of the trends that you're looking for but then actually identifying which algorithm is the correct one to use based on the type of data you've got is another part of the science as well so in terms of trying to push that deeper into the organization what's happened in the past is that those types of analytic routines and algorithms rather than being interactively worked in analytic tools tend to be pushed back into the underlying operational systems so if i'm creating some kind of classification index or predictive type algorithm typical one here you know when you go to amazon you buy a book and it says oh you might be interested in these other books that type of analytics is actually part of the transactions that you're working with through the website it's not an analytic activity it's a transactional activity and i suspect the same thing is going to happen today but the slight difference here and certainly when we're looking at something like uh, you know pyramid itself is that those types of routines can be created by people who understand the mathematics, that understand the algorithms, that understand what should be brought to bear against what data. And those can be built and saved and then reused by business users that perhaps don't have that same degree of skill. So, for example, in Imperium, we have a whole bunch of algorithms I can use out of the box in terms of analyzing my raw data and my analytic models. But I can also create custom forecasting algorithms in Python and R or various other languages. I can have my data scientists build those and then post them into the content store such that as a business user, I can select the data set I want to work with and then apply my particular custom business forecasting algorithm to that simply by dragging and dropping the block into my process flow. So... And that way, we are being able to take the and capture the knowledge and expertise of those data scientists and be able to spread that around the organization in a way that makes it easy for business users to apply it to their particular data set. And so often within organizations, you will have that as a specific way I want to forecast my data, whether it's 
particularly within that vertical industry or just specific to that organization and be able to create those and be able to store, share and reuse them in an easy fashion for people that are not so familiar with the analytic processing brings a lot more power to bear against the data and spreads that further and wider in the organization. And then there's a last question to understand why some organizations are more successful than others. We see some organizations that have numerous silos, data silos, but on the other hand, they have a centralized analytics team. What's your experience of what type of process and what type of technologies are really required to be successful? And, and can you share some success cases as well? The approach that we've taken on this is to try and abstract the analytic functionality from the underlying data storage technology. What do I mean by that? Well, if you look at many analytic tools today, as, as we discussed briefly earlier, in order to gain the full capability of their analytic processing, I need to ingest data into their own specific and usually proprietary in-memory analytic engine, typically running on my desktop. However, that means that I do have to move data about. I have to copy manage the data. There may be practical reasons why that's not easily done, both in terms of the volume of data or the fact that I want to analyze data up to the minute. I don't have time to do that. Secondly, it'd be nice to be able to have a consistent set of analytic capabilities, you know, regardless of where the data is stored or what format it is stored in. So it might be sitting in something like Hadoop, for example. It might be in relational database. It might be in the multidimensional database. And again, there, if I've spent a lot of time and money building a data warehouse and perhaps using something like SQL Server Analysis Services as my data part technology, or maybe I've done an implementation of SAP and I have, again, spent a lot of time and money building SAP BW models, the last thing I want to do is have to extract the data from those models and then recreate them in whatever analytic tool I need on my desktop. The whole point of those types of analytic engines like analysis services, SAP BW, et cetera, is that I've created an environment that's created a data landscape which is familiar to business users to analyze my metrics by my business dimensions. I shouldn't need to have to move it somewhere else in order to do the analytics. So the approach that we've taken with Pyramid is to say, well, let's go to rather than ingestion as the default, the default is direct query. To be able to directly interrogate the data where it sits and where it lives in its own existing format. So to be able to dynamically query via MDX, my SAP BW or analysis services, multidimensional database, but then to be able to do the same thing against data stored in, for example, say Redshift or Snowflake in, in the SQL mode, but with the fidelity of my analytic capability unchanged so that I can, accessing and working with data in Snowflake, still create the concept of hierarchies, drill down, slice and dice, et cetera, which previously was only in the scope of those kind of multidimensional engines. So being able to abstract the functionality from the underlying data storage engine means that I have a much greater degree of consistency across the underlying data, but also more flexibility in terms of my analytic projects. So as an example, we engaged with a company in Israel 
I can't give you their name right now, unfortunately. They have 15 billion rows of data sitting in a Redshift database, uh, Amazon Redshift database, and they collected retail transactions from something like two and a half to 3,000 stores across the country, concentrated that down, and then we're doing analysis of that data and selling sort of market share information back to their retail customers. So there really wasn't any scope for loading 15 billion rows into a desktop analytic engine. The analytics need to be done in place against that Redshift database with reasonable performance and to be able to do the sophisticated analytics that was required. And again, that was a successful proof of concept and then now customers of ours. Similarly, where I have data in multiple underlying formats, but I don't have the time or space to create a a single semantic model across all of the data. I can't do that kind of build a data warehouse again approach. So again, one of our customers, a large engineering company in Switzerland, they had data that was being already designed and built for analysis in SAP BW. They had another data set in SQL Server Analysis Services in the on-disk OLAP mode. And another set of data that they had extracted from Salesforce, uh, which was stored in an analysis service in memory tabular mode. What they were not able to do would be able to do analysis across those three data sources. And what we're able to build for them is to leave the data where it was, to be able to interactively query it, but then provide a sort of cross-filtering and analysis actually in the front end rather than in the back end. We were able to bring out the visualizations and reports from all three, all shown on the same screen, and to provide cross-filtering across that. So I can take a year or a month, for example, and apply that filter across all three data sources and keep them synchronized at the front end. So there's a number of different ways that you can go about getting at the data. But that kind of in-place analytics, I think, is the way that is going to go in the future to be able to leave the data where it is, but not diminish the analytic power that I can bring to bear against it. That makes it transparent to the business user, what format the data is in. It means that I don't need to move data and constantly remodel it. And it provides a greater degree of flexibility in the type of analytic solutions that I can create. Two great examples to summarize and conclude the conversation. It's always a nice and great inspiration talking to you, Ian. My thanks, Ronald. And my hope it's been uh, interesting and educational for your listeners. It definitely is. Thanks, Ian. And for the audience, thank you for listening and talk to you and see you next time. You've been listening to the EM360 podcast. For more great content, head on over to em360tech.com.